Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Hello and welcome to our Monday Truth and Liberty live call-in program. We are so glad that you've joined us today and we are going to have a great time. Yes, our guest today is Dr. Ben Carson, mm -hmm. who has uh, got so many things to his credit, I'm not sure we could take up all the time telling yeah. you his resume. Yes. But anyway, what an honor to have Dr. Carson with us. And I tell you, I'm going to defer to Richard because he's much better at these <laughs> biographies than I am. I just, if a guy loves the Lord and if he's excited about Jesus, that's pretty much all that's I need pretty to good. Know. Well, you know, uh, we've been watching Dr. Carson all these years, you know, Andrew, and so a lot of people are familiar with him, but uh, you guys need to know this man's resume is really phenomenal. Of course, uh, you remember that he served as uh, President Donald Trump's Secretary of Housing and Urban, Urban Development, but did you know that he was the youngest ever director of PD pediatric neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins Hospital and also uh, that he has he's the founder of American Cornerstone Institute, the Carson Scholar Fund. He's a recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom and uh, his scholarship fund gives 10,000 or has uh, awarded money to 10,000 scholars, more than $8 million. Great. And that's just the highlights here and uh, just so honored to have him on the show today. And so, Dr. Carson, welcome. We are welcome you to our Truth and Liberty live call-in program. Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you today. So, where are you joining us from? Where are you? Um, I'm actually uh, at my home studio in uh, Virginia. Well, awesome. We sure appreciate you coming on. And I've heard a little bit of your uh, background and testimony before. It's not like you you came into this world with a sil silver spoon in your mouth. You, <laughs> you came through some pretty hard things and have yet risen to the top. Could you share just a little bit of your testimony with us? Absolutely. Well, you know, my testimony really starts with my mother who was, came in to a family in rural Tennessee, uh, dozens of kids. Um, she was shifted from home to home, got less than a third grade education, got married at age 13. Uh, they moved to Detroit, where my father was a factory worker and a part-time preacher. Some years later, she discovered he was also a bigamist, had another family, and wow. obviously that resulted in a divorce. And there she was with virtually no education, trying to take care of two young boys by herself. We had no home, we were homeless. Um, some relatives in Boston took us in, and uh, they lived in a very typical tenement, multi-family dwellings, rats and roaches, sirens and gangs, murders. I saw people getting killed. My two favorite older cousins were killed. That was the kind of environment it was. Wow. But uh, my mother worked extremely hard. She would get up and leave the house at five in the morning and get back at midnight, going from job to job to job, cleaning houses, mm. because she didn't want to be on welfare. 
Mm. And she wanted to be in control of her own life. And she figured after a couple of years, we'd be able to move back to Detroit. And that's exactly what happened. Still in a multifamily dwelling in a dilapidated area, but at least she was independent at that point. And I was just a horrendous student. My brother was a terrible student. And that concerned her more than anything because she was of the firm opinion that if you get a good education, you write your own ticket. And, you know, she didn't want to hear all these people who were talking about racism and this and that and the other. She just said, forget about that stuff. And uh, anytime we had an excuse out of her mouth came a poem called Yourself to Blame. And uh, she just would not tolerate excuses. And I think that was probably one of the best things that ever happened to us was to grow up without excuses. And so, uh, so you not only had books. poverty that you were dealing with, but man, you had all the racial things without a father present in the home. Uh, what did you and your brother do while she was gone from five until midnight? Who, who was taking care of you? Well, that's where the reading came in. Uh, we were doing so poorly in school and she had prayed to God and asked for wisdom. What could she do? And she noticed in many of the homes that she cleaned, they had a lot of books and they were beautiful homes and beautiful neighborhoods. And she said, that's the key. Hmm. They got to read books. And she came home and imposed upon us a rule that we had to read two books a piece from the Detroit Public Library every week and submit to her written book reports, <laughs> which we thought, we thought that was just the cruelest thing. And uh, in today's world, we probably would have called social services, but in those days, you couldn't do that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we would give her the book reports, and she would put check marks on them and little underlines and stuff, like she was reading them. She couldn't really read them at all. Wow. But, but it did a lot for us because uh, as I started reading about scientists and surgeons and explorers and entrepreneurs, I began to realize what it takes to be successful. And I began to realize that the person who has most to do with what happens to you is you, not somebody else. It's mm -hmm. not the environment. My brother realized that too. Within the space of a year and a half, I went from the bottom of the class to the top of the class. Praise God. And uh, it made a huge difference in my perspective. It was no longer just the streets of Detroit. It was the whole world because I was reading so much, learning so much. And then I decided to educate myself about other things. I started going to the Institute of Arts. I roamed through those galleries in the Detroit Institute of Art until I knew every picture who painted it, when they were born, what period it represented. I was always listening to my portable radio, Bach, Telemann, and Mozart. Kids thought I was not a black kid in Motown listening to Mozart. But <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, was, I, I actually had a plan. Uh, I wanted to be a contestant on my favorite TV program, which is GE College Bowl. Some of you might remember that. Yes. And they would have two teams each week, and they would ask questions about science and math, history, geography. And I was really good in all that stuff. But they would also ask about classical music and classical art. So I was actually preparing myself because I wanted to be a contestant on that show. Man, that's and awesome. I, I, I actually chose what college I was going to apply to because I had enough money to apply to one college. I said, I'm going to apply to the college that wins the grand championship of college bowl this year. And Yale won the grand championship, so I applied to Yale. And uh, 
but the year I went there was the year College Boat went off the air. So, mm. but it and wasn't it sounds, a wasted effort. It wasn't a wasted like effort because a, that's where I met my wife. There you go. <laughs> sounds like you had an awesome mother. Is she still alive? No, she died in uh, in twenty seventeen. I bet you she saw those, the things that God has accomplished in your life. I bet that was oh, such a absolutely. blessing to her. And she lived with us, uh, you know, for 20 years while the kids were growing up. So they, mm -hmm. they had a chance to have her influence. And then, you know, the last six years of her life, unfortunately, she had Alzheimer's. But uh, before that, it was absolutely spectacular. We took her with her everywhere because we traveled a lot. So she got to travel all over the world, and uh, we made sure she always had a, a new car and beautiful places to live. So it, it all worked out. Oh, wow. Well, I'm That's sure beautiful. that she had a lot of hardship in her life just from the things that you've said, but to see what God did in your life probably was so gratifying to her that I bet you that was just an awesome blessing in her life. It's awesome. And people are always asking her, I bet you're proud of your son. And she would say, Yes, and I'm proud of Benjamin, too, yeah, because my awesome. other brother became a rocket scientist. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, is that right? And he so did. you guys broke all of the stereotypes. You had poverty, you had race. What do you think about the Black Lives Matter and reparations and things that people are talking about today? I'd be interested in I, your I think they're tools. I, I think those are tools that are used to manipulate society. If, mm -hmm. if you want to read something interesting, read the congressional record, January the 10th, 1963. They read into the congressional record the goals of the communists mm -hmm. in this country. And, uh, you know, dividing the people, dividing children from their parents, gaining control of the school system so you can indoctrinate the kids, uh, denigrating religion, anything that had to do with faith. Uh, it's mm -hmm. pretty amazing that they've accomplished so many of the things that they're trying to do because uh, Khrushchev told Eisenhower that your grandchildren, his grandchildren will live under communism and we won't have to fire one shot mm -hmm. because they had a plan on how to manipulate people and change people. And somehow the American people have got to be awakened to what's happening. They're being played like a fiddle. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, so if I'm wrong, you correct me, but it seems to me like a person that has come from your background and yet has achieved so much would be offended by the fact that people say that because of the race, your race or something like that, that you can't achieve and stuff because you, you've proven them wrong. It seems to me like that would be very offensive to you. Well, you know, I, it's very hard to offend me, but uh, I will tell you, <laughs> It is bothersome. And I wrote a, an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal 20 years ago in February of 03 called Compassionate Action. And basically the premise is that we have always extended a hand up to those who are downtrodden, but that should have nothing to do with race. And, uh, you know, different people are downtrodden at different times and, uh, and we should help them. But uh, to just take one race and say, now you've been disadvantaged, so now we're going to advantage you at the expense of someone else. You know, two wrongs don't make a right. That's absolutely yeah. absurd.
Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. So could I get your opinion on systemic racism in America just being uh, racist in its inception and things like that? Well, uh, I won't say that there hasn't been a time when we had racism. We, we certainly did. Uh, you know, I can remember as a six-year-old going to Tennessee and seeing the whites only and colors only signs. Yeah. And people explaining to me, you know, you got to be very careful down here. This is in Detroit. Um, but back in those days, if a black person came on television and it was in a non-servile role, it was a big deal. Called everybody into the living room. Hey, look at this. This is great. And now, in the exact same lifetime, you have black generals and admirals and CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and heads of foundations and university presidents. We've had a president of the United States. I mean, to say that we're still back in those days uh, requires an ostrich mentality. Obviously, we have changed dramatically. Uh, not reach nirvana. We probably won't reach that until we get to heaven. Mm -hmm. But we've made enormous progress uh, in this country along racial lines. And anybody from any race can take advantage of the enormous opportunities that exist in our society right now. But you got to work. you got to put the work in it. Well, you know, when I say things like that, I get criticized and called a racist. When you say this, how do people respond to you saying that basically uh, you can't, anybody? can make it. I well, bet they, you get criticized, they, too. Uh, they call me names. Uh, the comedian Chelsea Hendler said I was a white supremacist. Uh, you know. <laughs> How do they ridiculous. say that? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they, don't, they don't like stories like mine because it gives lie to the things of what they're saying all the right. time, that people are victims and that they can't make it. And, uh, you know, to see somebody who, who has made it through all that, they don't want to hear about that. You know, uh, can I? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, last week, Dr. Carson, there was a Supreme Court case that came down uh, on affirmative action at state universities. You, you probably know about it. And there was uh, like mm -hmm. dueling opinions between Justice Clarence Thomas and uh, Justice uh, Jackson Brown or Brown Jackson. and. Uh, uh, Justice uh, Thomas was saying the Constitution stands for equality under the law and uh, we can't have racism, even reverse racism. Uh, Justice Jackson, uh, Brown Jackson was saying uh, that's an ostrich mentality, uh, to, not, to mm -hmm. apply your term to her. Uh, who's right in this debate? What is, uh, you know, what's your take on this? Did Justice Thomas get it right? I think Justice Thomas says it exactly right. Um, you know, he wants people to be incentivized to achieve. You're not going to be incentivized to achieve if someone's handing you something. And uh, the opportunities exist now for everybody, but they need to be incentivized to work hard and to achieve. And uh, it's just not a big problem. You know, uh, I live in America. Uh, I don't face racism. You know, I, I can't even think of the last time I thought I faced racism. But of course, people on the other side would say, well, it's everywhere, you just don't see it, you choose not to look at it. Well, I could say the same thing, because you're looking for it That's everywhere. Right. Everything that anybody says, you interpret that as racism. 
Right. I just had one of my employees, a black employee, and I was asking him something, and he says, I don't notice it, but he says, it's because I'm not looking for it. He mm -hmm. says, other people, this is the filter that they see everything through. And uh, we've got a good friend, E.W. Jackson. I don't know if you know him, but he's a black mm -hmm. pastor in Virginia. And uh, he says, it's not the skin, it's sin. And it's just people. <laughs> People are sinners, and they're always going to find something to separate and criticize right. people over. Absolutely. But the, the people who want to fundamentally change our society, they look for any opportunity to divide us. Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. But they divide us on the basis of race, age, yeah. income, gender, religion, political affiliation, anything they can find, driving wedges, and it's working and it is dividing us. You know, the sense of community that used to exist in America is falling apart very rapidly. And those of us who understand what's going on have to be very vigilant and very diligent in helping other people to see how they're being manipulated. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's my opinion that uh, when Obama was elected, here's a black man elected president, yet I think that he put us backwards in race relations because he saw everything through that filter. And I remember the Ferguson shooting of that uh, boy, I forget yeah. his name. Yeah, and, and they just made it all about race. And I actually believe it set us backwards in our race relations. Well, it did, it did. And you know, the George Floyd case, you know, I, I had some friends from Australia call me and they said, why are the police killing all the black men over there? Yeah. Uh, because that's the way the media plays it. You would think it was happening every day all over mm -hmm. the place. When in fact, according to that paragon of conservatism, the Washington Post, less than two dozen cases annually with more than 55 million police civilian encounters. So that's not to say it's justified in any case, but I mean, it is vanishingly rare that an unarmed black man is killed by yeah. a white policeman. But if it ever happens, it is front page story forever. And I have seen some reports where white men were killed by black policemen and those things aren't given the same uh, publicity no. because it doesn't fit their narrative. There was a story of a, a, a white man who actually called the police on himself because you know he was had some psychiatric issues, and they came and they apprehended him, and it had the knee on his neck, and he was saying, "I can't breathe," and he died. Almost identical situation. Did wow. you hear anything about it? No, <laughs> I hadn't heard that. One. Mm. You know, let me ask you this. From my perspective, I've heard uh, reports. David Barton is one of our board members here on Truth and Liberty, and. Uh, I learned through him that when President Johnson signed the welfare uh, things, you know, for the great society, that he actually said that that was his way of making the black community uh, Democrat for the next 50 years. So it, this welfare I, I think mentality, he said 200 years. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're familiar. aware of what I'm talking about. <laughs> and anyway, oh, yeah. it's really a ploy to give people something for nothing and take away the incentive that was so uh, foundational in causing you to succeed was because you had this, you sure. knew you had to earn it. Well, that's what the whole reparations thing is all about. Yeah. In California, they recognize that they're losing a lot of their black base, particularly the black males. And mm. so we got to hold out this little carrot 
and uh, see if we can maintain the loyalty of these groups. My wife was just sharing with me today that the uh, guys that do Ben and Jerry's ice cream, you know, they've gone real woke and they wanted to give back land. I forgot who it was. Yeah, to Native Americans. And anyway, the Native Americans came back to them and he says, your headquarters is on our land. When are you going to give it back? (laughs) (laughs) And all of a sudden it changes when it's you that's having to do it. Well, it'll be very interesting to see if Ben and Jerry's gives it back. I don't yeah. think they will. Uh, I'm taking, <laughs> taking odds on that one. Dr. Carson, I, I, you know, there are uh, problems in inner city uh, areas, you know, where uh, high minority populations and stuff. Uh, our good friend, Speaker B.W. Jackson, again, you know, he has taken up the cause of, of uh, violence in, in inner cities uh, and, and cites the case of children being shot by drive-by shootings and other things like this, purely innocent kids. What do you think the solution is for that? And is it a political one or is it a spiritual one? Well, obviously, as we drive Christ out of the center of our society, uh, we're going to deteriorate. There's no question about that. But, uh, you know, there are some things that can be done. You, You look at what's going on in our inner city public schools. You might have seen the report a couple of months ago in Baltimore. They looked at 23 public schools to see how children were faring with math at grade level. Thousands of children, zero were proficient in math at grade level. That's happening all over our country. We're graduating people from high schools who are functionally illiterate. Who's gonna hire them? What are they gonna do? That leads to enormous levels of frustration. They become prey, easy prey for people who say that society is treating you the wrong way and let me show you how you can get yours. And uh, it creates a, a very dangerous situation. And Dr. Carson, you served for nearly 30 years as the director of pediatric neurosurgery at John Hopkins. And uh, so I'd be interested in your opinion because uh, John Hopkins, it was revealed, I think this last year, during the last year, that they were probably making millions or billions off of transgender surgery. How do you as a doctor look at your uh, oath, Hippocratic oath, and yet giving puberty blockers and sex reassignment surgery? Could you give us your opinion on that? Well, you know, Hopkins was one of the first places into that. And uh, in their defense, I will say that there were some in the psychiatry group, like Paul McHugh, who very much against that kind of thing and what it did to children and to their psyche. So there were two camps. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, when you look at the whole sexual, so-called sexual revolution, the things that are going on that are specifically talked about in the Bible Mm. uh, and not in a positive way. And why is it so important? Because if you can convince people that the Bible is wrong about those things, then maybe it's wrong about other things as well. And I think that's why that whole area is being pushed so hard. I agree 100%. It's just... There has been a standard of morality that Christianity is the number one purveyor of it. That's what this nation was based on. Mm -hmm. And they are just out to destroy these foundations. And if you can get people to say that I'm not a 
man today. I feel like a woman. And you, if you can do that, you can get them to do anything. Yeah. It just takes all restraints away. Uh, yeah. And think how, how unfair that is to children. Yes. You know, the human brain does not fully develop until sometime in your mid-20s. And uh, to be asking children to make complex decisions about, you know, surgeries that will mutilate their bodies and drugs that will change basically their physical appearance. I mean, most kids are have trouble deciding what to have for dinner. You know, why in effect are you going to be put laying something like that on them? Yeah. It's child mm -hmm. abuse. And of course, children are naturally curious and children are very suggestible. So obviously, if you lay this out in front of them, it's going to have a much bigger impact on them than it is on somebody who is mature and uh, can, can think these things through. Yeah, well, you know, we see in the LGBT movement, uh, hand in hand with it is the undermining of parental authority all over the nation. We're here in Colorado right. and there have been a half a dozen new laws passed in the last few years, removing the requirement of parental consent for abortion, for uh, transgender treatment in schools, for counseling. So there's all kinds of stuff going on without the parents knowing about it. Um, uh, how dangerous is that trend, do you think? Uh, I think it's a very dangerous trend. I, I think that was uh, uh, goal number 40 of the 45 mm. that I read into the uh, congressional record in 1963. So this has been going on for a long time. That goal was to separate children from parents because it said that parents were a bad influence on the mm. children. Well, of course they're a bad influence if you're trying to indoctrinate their That's kids right. because they don't want their kids indoctrinated. That's right. Uh, but, uh, you know, people, many people think that this is of recent origin. This is not of recent origin. They've been after us for a long time. We see the culmination of it occurring right now. And uh, I suspect, as, as a student of the Bible, that we may be getting very close because the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah. That's right. And what was going on in the days of Noah? Some pretty horrendous stuff. And uh, I think we're getting there. Mm. And Dr. Carson, as a neurosurgeon, you know, these hormone blockers and things like this, it, not, it has the obvious physical effects on them, and some of them aren't able to ever have children or, or things like that. But neurosurgery, I mean, doesn't it, you mentioned earlier that your brain's not fully developed until you're in your 20s. What does it do to these kids that these blockers, how does it affect their mentality? Well, we've seen a, a large number of them become very depressed, suicidal. Uh, suicide is much higher in that group of people. So obviously, uh, a, a point in their life, they come to realize, maybe this wasn't such a good idea after all. Mm. Uh, why did I allow people to tell me that I'm this when actually that's not what I am? And there's obviously nothing wrong with being a little boy. The little boys are curious and you know, they might want to pick up a doll and play with it and see what it's like or try their mother's high heels on. That doesn't mean that they want to be a little girl. That's right. The little mm -hmm. girls, you know, they might put their father's tool belt on and, and try a few things. Doesn't mean they want to be a little boy. 
And, uh, you know, we have to fight vigorously against this. You know, little girls have two X chromosomes. Little boys have an X and a Y. Little boys do not have ovaries. They do not have a uterus. They cannot have a baby. I mean, but if you say that, then, you know, you're, you're transphobic. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how unreasonable is all of that? How about a woman running for the Supreme Court who can't even define what a woman is? How yeah, messed up I is mean, that? Yeah, that's called a lot. I think well, maybe she had puberty blockers or something. It's affected <laughs> her thinking. Well, I've, I've talked to a lot of people in other countries, and they always ask the same question. What happened to you guys? Mm, yeah. <laughs> they, can't be, they can't believe how crazy you've gone. And, you know, the, the Europeans particularly the Western Europeans, were actually on this track sooner than we were, but they're going back in the other direction now. They, yeah. they've, they've seen how stupid it was, and they're going back in the other direction, and we're still plowing ahead. Mm. Yeah, I heard recently that Sweden, who was probably a decade ahead of us, has seen so much damage by all of their transgenderism and stuff that now they're actually passing laws against mm-hmm. it because it's hurt so many people. So. We should learn Absolutely. something through that. Hungary, so what are you which doing? was a communist country, has passed laws against it as well. Made yeah. very big differences. So what are you doing now? What does your present and your future look like? What are you, what are you up to? Well, I don't know about the future, but present, I can tell you, I'm the founder and chairman of the American Cornerstone Institute, which focuses on those cornerstone principles that made us into a great country. And that would be our faith, which taught us how, how to relate to each other, taught us to love love your neighbor, not to cancel your neighbor if you disagree with them, or if they have a different yard sign. Liberty, freedom, so vitally important. Freedom of speech, uh, freedom to protect yourself, freedom to live where you want to live, all kinds of freedoms which are currently being infringed upon. And it's so important that Americans recognize what's happening to us. It will not be long before the Second Amendment will become a big issue. It it happens in every country that becomes communist or that develops a dictatorship. They have to take away people's ability to defend themselves. And then the, the cornerstone of community. You know, in the early days of this country, there were strong communities, uh, people who came from different parts of the world. In many cases, they were barely able to communicate with each other, but they understood the concept of the common good, and they amalgamated their skills and talents for the good of the community. And if it was harvest time and Mr. Johnson fell out of the apple tree picking apples and broke his leg, everybody else picked his crops from no questions asked. That sense of community was extraordinarily strong, and it had a lot to do with our rapid proliferation and our rise from yeah. nowhere to the pinnacle of the world. And then the cornerstone of life, from the womb to the tomb. And as we've become more callous in regard to our respect for life, look what's happening to us. And you see all these mass shootings and people who just have no respect for other people. Uh, that needs to change. 
And the best solution for all of those things is to return to our faith and recognize that that was such a huge part of what made us different. Our very founding document, the Declaration of Independence, says that our rights come from our Creator Amen. and not Amen. from our government. Amen. Amen. Well, you as the uh, founder and president of American Cornerstone Institute, how, if people are watching this and they want to receive from that ministry, how do they do that? We've got the information on the screen, the website. Yes. AmericanCornerstone.org, and you, you will find so much stuff there, it'll blow you away. Uh, you'll, you'll find our Executive Branch for America program. It's an online course that you can take that will teach you how the government works, and particularly how the Executive Branch works, because we have a lot of people who get elected, and they go to they go to Washington or they go to their state capitol and they have their staff with them. But they're like deer caught in the headlights because there's so many complex relationships that they don't understand. It takes them a good year to get it acclimated. Well, we've come up with a solution for that. And if you can take this course and you can get certified in it and it's free of charge because we need people to be well-versed and if we're going to be able to fight some of the things that we're dealing with right now. And you'll find our Little Patriots program, uh, littlepatriotslearning.com, a free learning program which teaches our children about our values and our principles, our history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot more good than there is bad and ugly. You have CRT and 1619 that just sees on the bad and the ugly, and they try to say that we're built around that and that that's our foundation. What a bunch of foolishness. Uh, but we teach the children what is really going on. There's a lot of stuff to be proud of uh, in our country. And we have a cartoon series called Star Spangled Adventures, and it, it treats a subject. Each Each of the cartoons treats a subject like maybe the Constitution, uh, Fort McHenry, and what happened there. And it's beautifully done. And the children just absolutely love it. And it's all free of charge because we get wonderful patriotic Americans to underwrite the cost of it. And people look at it, they say, wow, this is going to cost an arm and a leg. I can't afford it. No, it's been taken care of already because we know how important it is, particularly to make sure that we get in on the ground floor when it comes to influencing our children. As the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. But believe me, the Marxists understand that too. And uh, Vladimir Lenin said, give me your children to teach for four years and the seed that I sow will never be uprooted. That's why they're so anxious to get into our schools and indoctrinate our kids. If they can do it early on, it makes it very difficult to change that later on. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. So you mentioned that these things are free and that you're underwritten. Is there a place on your website that if people wanted to contribute, they could be a part of it or not? Uh, yes, if they go to AmericanCornerstone.org, uh, they will find, it, it, it won't be plastered all over everything, but it's not hard to find a place to donate. 
Well, that's awesome. Dr. Carson, I'm curious, we've just got a, about four minutes left. Can you comment on the idea of d the deep state uh, from your years there serving in uh, Trump's administration? What did you observe? Uh, are the communists and Marxists and liberals just super entrenched and what do we need to do about it? Uh, they're very much entrenched in all of the governmental agencies and departments. Uh, there were plenty of them at HUD. You know, their philosophy is, look, we've been here 10, 20, 30, 40 years. We'll be here now. We'll be here after you're gone. So, yeah, we hear what you're saying. And uh, we'll just try to slow roll it until you're gone, and we can go back to doing what we want to do. Uh, that's in all the agencies, quite frankly. But uh, at HUD, we were able to get some extremely good programs through. Uh, and one of the things that I made sure that we did is take advantage of the knowledge that some of those careers who've been there for a long time have and got them involved on the ground floor planning some of these programs like uh, FYI, Foster Youth to Independence. You know, 20,000 youth age out of foster care each year. A large number of them end up homeless, being trafficked of various things. And you can imagine if you're 18 years old and all of a sudden you're out on the street with no support, that's uh, pretty difficult. So we created that program not only to give them a voucher so that they could have a place to live, but also wraparound services so that they could get education and they could get other medical care, things that they need in order to thrive and survive and, uh, and not to be victims in our society. Uh, so those uh, also, you probably noticed that about a year and a half into the Trump administration, you, you stopped hearing those stories about fiscal malfeasance at HUD. That used to be a big story all the time. Uh, we went out and uh, were able to get one of the senior partners at Ernst & Young, and after much, much arm twisting, get them to come, and we put together what needed to be done in order to get fiscal responsibility. Once we had that, we were able to do a lot more in terms of the programs because you didn't have to spend all your time trying to follow where this dollar is and where this penny is. And a difference it made, we were able to do things like um, the mustard seed program, uh, in which we would ask churches, you know, who are doing well in their communities, uh, what do they need? What kind of help can we give them to make that even better? And this particularly worked with homelessness because a lot of the churches had excess land. They could actually build housing on the land and bring homeless families in and then use the resources in the church, people who, who had abilities in lots of different areas to get those people back on their feet. And remember, before there was a big government, before there was a HUD, it was the churches who did this yeah, stuff anyway. Right. Amen. Yeah. And I think they do a much better job. And if we can get government to help them without attaching a bunch of strings to it, that makes a lot of sense. Amen. Man, that's great. I don't think I heard about all of those achievements. No. Again, we've got a news cycle that only amplifies all the bad. Only Dr. if Carson. there was something bad going on, a scandalous, yeah. would you hear it? Dr. Carson, I know you're short of time. Thank you for spending time with us today. That's a real blessing. We appreciate it. I know that all the viewers appreciate it. And uh, we're praying for you and praying that um, God is just going to continue to use you. You've, you've broken a lot of the stereotypes, and I believe you have influenced a lot of people. And who knows how many Ben Carsons you will have raised up 
through your influence. So thank you for being a part of our well, program today. Praise the Lord, and thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for being patriots and soldiers in the battle for our souls. Well, God bless you. Thank you very much. We'll have you back sometime. God bless you. Right. Goodbye. You too. Bye-bye. All right, so thanks for him being with us. What great? an honor. Wow, that was awesome. Man, that's awesome. We're going to take a little 30-second break. We do have some lines open. You can call us at 719-619-2341, and we are going to take a little 90-second break, and we'll be back and start taking your calls. Thank you. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. Written in the heart of God. Long before you were born, He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Okay, we're back from the break. Uh, we do have some lines open if you want to call 719 619 2341. And Dr. Carson was with us in the first 40 minutes, but he had to leave. We just appreciate him giving us the time that mm -hmm. he did. That's, yeah. That guy is really in demand. He could be talking to anybody. That's right. We're blessed to have gotten We him. are blessed. But uh, he won't be with us to take the questions, but we will be glad to take your questions, and Richard and I will deal with it. So let's go to Andres in Hopewell Junction, New York. And you are on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in show, Andres. Yeah, thank you for taking my call, Pastor. Yes, um, my, thank you. My question is, um, the 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 in in American history in terms of uh, the healing uh, ministers that have have always been able to you know manifest like the healing grace and charism of Jesus, they did it so easy. Like I've seen videos of like Oral Roberts, Catherine Coleman. I heard about yourself uh, that you were able, I think, to heal somebody or you raise someone from the dead. How how do I get to that? How do I prepare myself with uh, scripture and spirituality and and pray for healing like uh, on this high high level, which I'm still like I haven't prayed for anybody yet, but but I'm, I, I consider myself zealous for Christ, but I want to be able to take that risk is some people are scared to pray. Like for someone who has cancer, like in, I'm from New York and I, and I go to a, a charismatic church and then we, we, Oh, so this person has cancer. No, we can't pray for them. They're scared to pray for them. I want, what do you recommend that I do to press forward into healing 
and um, and this level of 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 spirituality. Well, Andres, that's a huge question, and I just happen to have an entire book and tape series or CD series on. Uh, God wants you well. We've also got a healing university, which do you know how many hours that is? I think oh, it's, it's hundreds. Yeah, I think it's hundreds of hours, and we have multiple uh, speakers on that. And so I've got, I, I'm sure, hundreds of hours worth of teaching on the very question that you've got. Mm -hmm. Let me real quickly try and just say some things. There is a difference between a person who has a gift of miracles are the gifts of healing. That is a supernatural ministry from the Holy Spirit. And those people can get people healed with very little faith response on the recipient's part. They're operating primarily off a gift of the Holy Spirit. But then there's another way of being healed, and that's just a person who believes God because Jesus provided healing for every single person, every single time, and it's available, but it takes faith and action on our part. And uh, you need both, because one of the mistakes that people have made is they have looked to people with these supernatural gifts like Benny Hinn. We're going to have him at our healing conference in August, and he has a gift of healing, and he will see dozens or hundreds of people healed in one of his service. But he's flowing in a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit, and people have gotten to where this is about the only way they can receive from God is to go to somebody who has these supernatural giftings and get their healing through their faith. And even though God does that, and I think the reason He does it is because if the only way that you could receive healing was for you to just renew your mind and learn how to operate in faith, well, then a person who gets born again today and only has a week to live isn't going to have time mm. to grow and mature and so does God just let them die? No, there's these people that have these supernatural gifts that you can go to and receive healing through their ministry. But it was never intended to replace or substitute for the individual believing. And Andres, I don't have a gift of healing, and yet I've seen multiple people raised from the dead, blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I've seen people come out of wheelchairs. But my gift is just... Uh, it's a teaching gift. As far as healing, I just pray like any believer can. But I've been renewing myself for 50 years, and I've developed my faith to where I see great miracles. And so, uh, again, I could offer all of my materials. If you want to call our helpline at 719-635-1111, they can steer you towards all of my materials, and they could help you in that. But uh, Anyway, that's a really quick answer. Well, Andrew, I've heard people uh, say, some people like, say, Todd White or others, who say when they first started ministering healing to people that they had lots and lots of people who did not receive. Absolutely. But after a period of time of faithfully persisting in it, then they started to see Absolutely. more results. Same Is there me. something to that? Yes, and also, Andres, I didn't mention this, but when you said that it seems like it's so easy, <laughs> it's not easy. It may look easy because you have spent a thousand hours developing yourself and building yourself to a place to where in your heart you've already seen the healing. You've already seen these things. And so you just speak a word and people get healed relatively easy. But I guarantee you, it takes a lot of renewing of your mind to get to where you see somebody that's got a huge cancer or something that's visible and you can look past that and see them healed. 
That is not easy. And this is why you don't see very many people operate in it. So again, Andres, uh, that's, those are quick answers. Those aren't full answers to what your question is, but to answer you fully, you'd have to go get all of our materials. And let me say that on our website, we have over 200,000 hours of free teaching that you can go there. And you could watch all of my series on healing and things like that, and you can get this, but it's a renewing of your mind. Mm. It's not going to come easily or quickly, but every believer can pray for cancer. You don't have to have a supernatural gift. Uh, any Christian, it says believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so, Andres, you're a believer, and I encourage you to just keep at it, keep seeking God, get these materials, renew your mind, and praise God, if you're a believer, you'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Amen. Hope that helps you, Andres. Yeah, that helps a lot. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So we still have some lines open, 719-619-2341, and you can get on with Richard Harris and Andrew Womack, and we'll be glad to talk to you. So let's go to Sandy. And Sandy, you are a subscriber uh, to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for that. You are from Colorado, and you're on Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Richard. So good to talk to you guys. <laughs> good um, to talk to you. I have... <laughs> Thank you. I had a question um, that um, is the, what do you say about the people who come and say, well, I'm a hermaphrodite. What do you call me? Those that have both the, have the XX and Y chromosome. What you know, I'm not, I'm not familiar with this, but let me just say, what do you do with a person that you know is born with some kind of a birth defect? Like we just had Ben Carson on, and he has performed two world-famous operations where people were joined at the head, and he has separated conjoined twins. Does that mean that, this, it, that God created them this way and that this is the way that they're supposed to be? Absolutely not. It's an abnormality. And things like that happen because we live in a fallen world, and I don't doubt that there are people with mutations. I guess uh, Down syndrome is what, an extra chromosome? Is yes. that correct? Yes. And so things like this happen, but that is not the way that God made us to be. Those are uh, abnormalities. Those are deformities. This is not normal, and you should not deviate from what is normal and what God intended just because there's an exception. To yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, changing the law and the rules to enable people who feel like they're one gender uh, to use the bathrooms and everything else uh, that, that are assigned to another. And the, the cases you're talking about, I don't know the statistics, uh, Sandy, but I would imagine it's maybe one in Many, many thousands. You One know. in millions, I would suspect. Yeah, so it, it, you can't allow that to drive the rule, yeah. um, for sure. Yeah. And so anyway, this is something that comes up. You know, people will, anytime you stand against anything, you stand against a homosexual, you stand against, not against them, but against homosexuality, against transgenderism, the opposite side will try and bring up some exception mm -hmm. of some person, you know, that has like an extra chromosome or something, and they will try and say, well, what about them? Those are a fraction of 1%, and they try and 
transpose this across everybody else. And that is just, you can't do that. If that's the way you're going to approach life and try and deal with things, well, then there would never be any right and wrong. There's going to be an exception to anything and to everything. You know, you see with um, uh, abortion, people will come up and say, well, are you against abortion even in the case of rape? And what they do is show how devastating that is to the woman who gets raped and she may be very young. She may not even be old enough to be a mom and, uh, you know, emotionally and all these kind of things. And they will take an exception. But the percentage of people who conceive through rape, I've seen the statistic, it is like a fraction of 1%. Right. It is a very small amount. And uh, even if you talk about the hardship on the woman, the child that was conceived by that, they didn't do anything wrong. And it's not right to murder them because of what somebody else has done, even though it's going to be a hardship on the mother and all these other things. And see what they'll do is go to these exceptions, these rare mm -hmm. circumstances and try and make some emotional connection and get you to say, well, then therefore you can't just say that abortion is wrong. Right. I can say abortion is wrong in every instance unless the life of the mother is going to be, uh, you know, at stake. And that way you're going to lose either the mother or the child and you have to make a decision which one is the more viable. And, and you know, I, I don't know what to say about that. I've known women that were told that they would die if they had a child and they chose to go ahead and have the child anyway mm -hmm. and they wound up living. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think if it was me, again, this is hard for me to say as a man, but if I was, you know, in that situation, I think I would choose the life of the child over my own life. Right. And I think most women would. Most women do, yeah. And and again, on the on your example of this Klinfelter syndrome, I've never heard of that, but, you know, I, uh, I think that's an individual case that you'd want to handle on an individual basis. It's not a reason to change everything and transform you know, our entire culture and civilization uh, to support a lie. That just doesn't make any sense because God, it says in the beginning, God made them male and made them female. And, uh, and he did that for a reason and for a purpose. And we need to support that reality, not undermine it with all this craziness. And back to what uh, Dr. Ben Carson said, he mentioned this same thing that a man has an X and a Y chromosome, whereas women have two X chromosomes. I just want to emphasize this because some people aren't aware of it. But uh, you could take a person who's been dead for a hundred years, you could dig up their bones and you could analyze those bones. And if there was no other body parts left, if all you had was a foot bone, you could tell whether that was a man or a woman mm. because every cell in those bones is either going to be two X chromosomes yeah. or an X and a Y chromosome. So on a cellular level, you are male or female. And for a person to say, no, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body, that is not science. That isn't logical. That is illogical. It is absolutely wrong. And I just want to drive that point home. I'm sure that many, many people are aware of that, but there's some people that honestly think that gender is just how you feel mm -hmm. at that moment. That is absolute insanity. Right. And I'll be criticized for that. And if we still are carried on YouTube, we've been canceled so many times, I'll be canceled again because they don't like that kind of stuff. But that is not scientific. It is completely contrary to all biology. Uh, they had people that are saying that, uh, I saw a survey and they asked, can a man get pregnant and give birth? <laughs> and there's people saying yes. 
because they honestly think that a woman can choose to be a man and go ahead and give birth as a man. It's insanity. It's crazy. And, yeah. and people will criticize me for that. I tell you what, anybody who accepts that ought to be criticized. They yeah, ought to be, you know, uh, not many years ago, 10 years ago, you'd have been put in a mental institution for thinking that a man can have a child. People are losing their ever-loving mind. Yeah, I know. You know, the other thing that drives me, uh, makes me upset about this whole thing is, you know, a person who says, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body or the other way around, we ought to be asking the question of what happened to you to make you feel that way and, and bring in the love and truth of Jesus Christ to set them free, not supporting them in their delusion and changing every bit of reality to, to tr keep them trapped in that lie because they're not going to achieve, they're not going to experience right. their true purpose and identity in life. And I just watched a movie put out by Epic Times, and it was a movie called Gender, and they interviewed uh, doctors, psychiatrists, and they said that nearly without exception, very few exceptions, anybody who's transgender or homosexual has been sexually yes. abused or had traumatic things Absolutely. that made them traumatized, and that was their negative reaction to it. That's so, right, yeah. Anyway, we, we don't need to be sitting there validating this. I love people like that and I reach out and I've got people on my staff who've suffered with homosexuality and I have not rejected them and we've helped them through it and they're still with me and I keep them on staff. I've had transgenders who've come to our Bible school and we have not rejected them and they were popular and people liked them and we, we loved them and dealt with them, but we didn't validate their wrong choices and promote it. So there is a difference between showing compassion towards somebody who's got one of these problems and validating it by saying that, you know, there are exceptions to it. No, there's not. We're going to have to take a break here. Let's, let's take another break, and after this 90-second break, we'll come back. We've still got some people on the lines. We do have some open lines, if you want to call it, 719-619-2341, 719-619-2341. And Richard and I'll talk to you right after this break. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. This is a godly nation. It was founded upon godly principles and the body of Christ needs to stand up against the rewriting of history. And in order for us to do that, we're gonna have to learn true history. God is calling us to rebuild His house so that He can manifest His glory in the midst of a corrupt and pagan world. I would argue that America has been more prosperous, more successful than any other nation because we've done more in reading and applying the Bible. We chose God and we chose to live by the Bible and we've done things no other nation's ever done. When the God of the impossible lives in us, the entire political reality can shift where we walk. We're the ones that have the truth. We're the ones that stand up. It is the history for Christians to speak out and to make a difference in this nation.
Well, welcome back. We're in our final segment of our live call-in show. We had Dr. Ben Carson on with us for the first 40 minutes. And I tell you, what a blessing. What a blessing. What to, a man of God. And you know, he has risen to just about as high as you can go. And yet here he is, a humble man, soft-spoken, standing strong for the Lord. I just really A, a black that. man who, who loves America and its founding principles. And, uh, you know, he was citing, he, neurosurgeons, which he is one yes. doctor scientist, his brother's a rocket scientist, yeah. you know, and he's like, it's not about the outside, it's about the inside. And they well, came the from as bad a situation as you could possibly imagine. There is no reason for people to, you know, use this as an excuse, the color of your skin, your socioeconomic mm -hmm. situation, whether you're male, female, all of these kind of things, these are just smoke screens. You can be anything that God wants you to be. And when you start blaming things and saying it's because I was raised in this situation, that's what makes me the way I am, then that makes you a victim. Mm -hmm. You can't be a victor and a victim at the same time. Yeah. And this is what one of the tactics of the devil. Absolutely. So anyway, we still got open lines, 719-619-2341. We would love to hear from you. We've got another 28 minutes left in this program, so 719-619-2341. So let's, uh, let's see, we had another caller and they disappeared. Like they dropped off, yeah. They dropped off. They must not have liked my answer. <laughs> Maybe you answered it. <laughs> I might have already answered it. So yeah. now we've got some open lines here, 719-619-2341, and we'd love to have you on. It was, you know, really interesting. Dr. Carson was saying this stuff that we're seeing today, it's not it's not really that news. You read the congressional record and all these things were in the communist plan for this nation read into the record in 1961. Well, he quoted, I think it was 63, but I heard that that same thing was read in in 1954. Mm -hmm. So it might've been read, read into the congressional uh, ledger earlier, but they had 50 things listed mm -hmm. and they were coming against the nuclear family, husband and wife. They were coming against uh, everything, homosexuality, they were going to promote all of these kind of things and, and they're on target mm -hmm. for what they're doing and it's really having an effect on our nation. You know, I was, I was meeting with, uh, I, I, want, I can't say who, but it was someone who's, in, who's an educator this morning for breakfast and, and this man was saying that uh, teachers are trained up to indoctrinate the kids that equality, which is, you know, equals what the declaration says, that that's not fair that there's equity is what we need, which is fairness, which is code word for redistribution of wealth, yeah. for affirmative action, for you know, government handouts and all this other set of, sort of stuff. And the problem with that is, is uh, you know, somebody's gotta pay for all that. And, well, I and just read today that a judge ruled that colleges could prefer blacks over whites who are qualified you know, equally but uh, that will somehow or another affect the racial balance, which is in inequitable. I thought the Supreme Court just said you can't do that. <laughs> well, a judge just said that a, a school could do it. And so right, well, I tell you, it's a mess. Well, yeah, but you know, I think there's a lot of good stuff happening. I'm kind of excited actually to see things turning around. This, uh, th these corporations that have gone woke, they're really paying for it, you know? Yeah, that's, I love it. And I wonder if there's, you know, people are waking up and... Uh, and also, you put on our uh, website and you send out an email to people who are subscribers every Friday and you mention usually three good things that have happened that weren't really reported in the mainstream news. Yeah. Well, we were just talking before the show about this uh, movie that's out, Sound of Freedom, 
and how it topped Indiana Jones. Yeah. I mean, now that, that that says something major, right there. It really does. It really does. Because you, you know, the Lord spoke to you, Andrew, that uh, the third great awakening has already begun, and uh, I believe it. And I know you got a word at the Summer Family Bible Conference. Yeah. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, let about me that. share that because this is real recent. This just happened last either Tuesday or Wednesday, so it's less than a week old. And we were in the midst of praise and worship. And the Lord, you know, we were, uh, it was on, it was Tuesday because you were Sport speaking yeah. and you were speaking kind of on Christians rising up and taking their stand in the political realm. And then Bill Federer followed you and he was giving the world history of how we got to this place. And as I was thinking about the 247th anniversary of our Declaration of Independence, and I was thinking about that. The Lord spoke to me and said on the 250th anniversary, which is three years away, that we will, everybody will see that this wokeness is in retreat mm -hmm. and that God has turned the situation around. That doesn't mean it'll be totally solved, mm -hmm. but we will see things going back. Instead of progressing and getting worse, we're going to see the wokeness retreating. And he also said, now I'm not, uh, I mean, I don't know that he said this to me, but it was my thought that I don't know what's going to happen in between now in those three years. <laughs> right. It could be traumatic, but yeah. I believe that within three years, we are going to see things turning around just like you're citing with mm -hmm. Disney, Target, uh, all of these woke corporations. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, there was something last year, the Asbury Revival, or was that earlier this yeah, year, yeah. that I think had more significance than maybe what we know yet, that it was uh, the ripple effect of that. And it's also a sign that, you know, the Holy Spirit is moving in our country, even Absolutely. though it's not in the headlines. People are getting born again, they're getting saved, their lives are getting changed. And uh, all this other stuff, I think it's going to come crashing down on the devil. And uh, we're going to see this country restored. I think that we have some wrong concepts about what revival is. Some mm -hmm. people think it's just a a thing where you extend meetings for 24 hours a day or something like that, or it's a very emotional thing. And I think all of those things can be a part of revival, but revival is just an awakening mm -hmm. of the body of Christ to God and responsive to Him. It will be characterized by repentance and true love. I think mm -hmm. worship will be a big part of it. And that's happening everywhere. Yes. I mean, that's I could name you bunches place right here at Karis Bible College. I had some of our students come to us as they saw the things about the uh, Asbury Revival, and they said, this is what we live in every day. I, know. I, I said that to the practical government school. I said, you know, uh, don't be jealous because you're in it right now. Just That's because right. the headline in here, Karis experiences revival every we, day. We have people come to Karis, and I mean, their life is a total wreck. Yes. I could name a person's name. I'm not going to do it right now, but this is a person that came from battle had PTSD. It was so bad that we actually assigned staff members to him because it, he was talking about he could kill somebody. Man. I mean, he was in serious condition and he's been with us two years now and he's still a work in progress. All of us are, but I mean, this guy now is so powerful and loving God and mature. And we have seen somebody who was on the brink of uh, maybe uh, one of these mass shootings or something wow. like that, who now is just 
totally turned around. Those things can't happen by man's yeah. intervention. This is God that did That's that. Right. That's right. And well, so we're, we're living it. It's pretty awesome to look at what God is doing through this ministry. I mean, you, it is. one of the biggest things to me is you, you're getting 80,000 calls, 90,000 calls we a month. We had over 90,000 in May. Into your phone center. 86,000 in uh, June. That's just uh, incredible. And those are real people, human beings being touched by the Word and your broadcast and everything else. So it's We awesome. had 136,000 total contacts, but there was 90,000 that were phone calls. So that means, what's that, 46,000 or something that were either, uh, you know, going to our website or, or something like that. Plus, we put out over a million downloads a month on our yeah website and things like that. Anyway, we're running short of time, but mm. uh, we still got some lines open. We'd love to talk to you if you want to talk. Otherwise, Richard and I can continue to praise God and talk about all <laughs> the awesome things that are doing. But if yeah. you want to talk to us, it's 719-619-2341. And let me also mention that we have a phone center that is open 24 hours a day. And there are people that are on the phones right now. And if you want prayer, if you want ministry or if you have questions and say, do you have anything that deals with some of these issues that you're talking about? They can give you access to everything that we have. And we have over 200,000 hours of free material on our website, awmi.net. So Amen. anyway, you're welcome to call that helpline. You're also welcome to call us. You know, I, I'd like to put in a plug for the Truth and Liberty Resource Center on our website. Uh, you know, um, people need to get involved. We need to stand up and get involved and get out there into the communities. Uh, take a stand in your work, in your school board meetings or any other place like that. And we've got over a hundred different links on there designed to help people uh, learn about, you know, God, uh, the Christian heritage of our country. How do you uh, run for office? Um, you know, uh, how do parents take a stand in school and all kinds of things like that too. So, And you know, also during our fam summer family Bible conference, was, which was just last week, Richard ministered a powerful man. I tell you, I've really been blessed to see the way that God's using Richard. And then immediately following him was Bill Federer, which this guy, it was phenomenal. He's amazing. He, he put out more truth. He, he ministered for two hours without mm -hmm. a break. And he put out more truth probably in those two hours than I had ever heard crammed into two hours time in my life. Yeah, it's amazing. And I'm looking forward to uh, getting that up on our website so I can listen to it again because it's impossible to absorb there everything. There was too much, yeah. I, I mean, it was incredible. It was All of world history in two hours and you can see the pattern there. So let's go to Robert in Florida. You are on Truth and Liberty Live with Andrew and Richard. Hi. Hello, Robert. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, ben Carson has a... Uh, uh, interest in um, faith, community, liberty, and life. Could you write a book on that, Andrew, so we could get the revelation of that for us have a degree in all of the things he was talking about? Well, you know what? It's hard for me to write a book about what he's doing. But <laughs> I've got 50 books that I've written. I've got two or three books that I'm writing right now. I'm writing them just as fast as I can, Robert. But... Um, mm. Anyway, if the Lord lets me tarry here, I'll eventually share everything I know uh, in book form or something yeah. to leave it after I'm gone. So, 
Yeah, and he did mention uh, that he's got lots of links on his website to talk about all those things. Uh, Dr. Carson did, so you might check that out too. Yeah. So thanks for your call, Robert. Let's go to Gladys, and you are a Truth and Liberty supporter as well as an AWM supporter. So thank you, Gladys. You're from Georgia. You're on with us now. Thank you, Brother Andrew. Thank you, Brother Richard, for taking my call. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Um, in uh, John 15:16, it says that we have been chosen and ordained. And I know that some churches have ordination ceremonies. Why do they do that if we have already been chosen and ordained by God? Well, let me just give you an example that, uh, of course, Paul is the one that wrote a lot of those things. And yet Paul ordained Timothy to be the first bishop of the church at Ephesus. And he spoke to him that he says, stir up the gift that was in you, which was given unto you by the hands of the presbytery, laying them on you. So I understand what you're saying, Gladys. If we've already got everything in Christ, then why do we need anything else? Here, here, I don't know, have, have a perfect answer, but here's the answer that I come up with. If you remember back during the days when we had film and you would take a picture, what, that, what, what the deal was, film would have all of the different col colors in that emulsion that was on that uh, film. And then as you exposed it to light, light would penetrate to different levels depending on the wavelength and it would bring out the red or the blue or, or yellow and things like that. So anyway, when you took a picture, you actually weren't putting anything on that emulsion. You were drawing out the colors that were already there. That's the way that I think it is, that we already have everything in Christ. But when you have somebody lay hands on you and impart some gift or some anointing to you, it just activates and draws out the things that are already in us. Mm -hmm. This is the way that I've reacted to that. That's great. You got anything, Dad? Well, uh, you know, I, I had 20 years of legal training, so I kind of sometimes default to that. And, you know, there's a concept in the law called the law of agency, where one person who has authority can transfer that authority to others. And Jesus transferred authority to us. We have that in the scriptures, but you also see in the New Testament where the apostles transferred their authority. They laid hands on the deacons and on the yeah. elders. And as you said, Paul, on Timothy. So, and even in one place, isn't it Hebrews, where they talk about the doctrine of the laying yeah. of hands. Hebrews 6. So I think there's an impartation of authority. And, and if the Holy Spirit calls it out of giftings that take place in that ordination. And um, so it, it is biblical. So thank you for your call, Gladys. You call in uh, regularly on my programs. I appreciate you listening and being a part of our Truth and Liberty. So let's go to Elizabeth. She is a subscriber and she is in Missouri. And let me just real quickly before we take this, what is a subscriber or a partner yes, of sir. Truth and Liberty? Tell so uh, two different things. We've got a subscriber and we've got member. A subscriber means you've gone on our website and clicked subscribe and shared your email address so that you can begin receiving our blogs and emails, which we send out several a week to give you, uh, keep you updated and share resources and information. A member though is someone who wants to be a part of what we're doing here at Truth and Liberty to help us and support us in this work to, to uh, transform this nation. So uh, you can do that by going on our website to the donate page and signing up to make an automatic recurring contribution of $5 or more per month and then you'll be a Truth and Liberty member too. And we need members yes, because we, uh, we, Richard and I were just discussing today about, man, we've got to do more to reach out. And it's going to take money to go on social media 
and advocate for things and mm -hmm. door knockers and stuff like that. Yeah. So we'd love to have you become a subscriber and a member. But Elizabeth from Missouri is on with us now. Welcome to our program, Elizabeth. Hello, thank you. Thank you for taking my call, and I'm so thankful to be a member of yes, this um, program and of the information that you all are um, issuing out. My question is I was wondering how would you address someone that is um, steeped in the teaching that women should not teach men, uh, uh, specifically First Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 12, that all of that area where it talks about don't adorn yourself and all that, but specifically um, not teaching men. Well, Elizabeth, if you take that scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 2, if you take the one out of 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 and chapter 7, and I could give you some others, 1 Peter chapter 3, every single instance, if you look at it, will have that the woman is not supposed to usurp authority over the man. That is talking about a particular man, not women in general over men in general. And people miss this. And so they teach that somehow or another women aren't supposed to teach men. This is saying that they don't take the authority over their husband. There is a role of headship in a marriage that the husband is the head of the home. And again, that could be misunderstood. I'm not going to take time to teach on it. But it doesn't mean that he's a dominant rule and dominant, but it's just saying that you don't take authority. The wife does not take the authority away from the man. And in a sense, the same thing is said about the man, because in 1 Timothy chapter 3, when it lists the requirements of a bishop, it says that the bishop has to have his own house in order. And so it puts limitation on the men that if your house is out of order and stuff, then you, you aren't qualified to be a bishop. This is saying to a woman that if your house is out of order, if you are the dominant person and if you are lording it over your husband, well, then you're out of order and you can't teach in that situation. So that is, I could go into greater detail, but let me say that the way I overcame my prejudice, I was taught that women couldn't teach anybody but little boys. They couldn't teach men. And the way I got over it was to be in Catherine Kuhlman's meeting. Mm. And I had all kinds of prejudice against her, and she was offensive. She was weird. She really <laughs> was. And everything, all of my bells and whistles were going off. But I was sitting right down on the front, just five or six feet away from her, and I saw a woman who I was an usher, and I had to take these people off of the stretcher and put them in seats to clear the aisles for the fire code. And this woman that I had lifted up, and this woman didn't weigh 60 pounds. She was like a Holocaust victim. She couldn't even hold her head up. She couldn't move. She was nearly dead. I took her off of the stretcher and put her in the chair. And while I was sitting there, she came running down the front, pushing her stretcher, jumped up on the platform. And when I saw God's anointing on Catherine Kuhlman, immediately I lost my prejudice. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. And so, you know, this is what we teach our mm -hmm. students. They want to be able to answer all of these questions. The best answer that you can give to somebody is you just press into God. You make the power and the anointing of God so manifest in your life that they'll look at you and they'll say, you know what, I don't understand it, but this is God. Amen. And Amen. so we don't actually teach our ladies how to overcome objections. That's getting into the grandstands and arguing with the spectators. We just tell them to keep on the 
on the racetrack and keep running the race. And when they win and see the power of God, people will lose their prejudice. Yeah, you know, speaking of women, I, um, I, we were in France last month and met with a pastor, uh, a couple that pastor a church in near Montpellier, and this woman uh, received a real blessing from Audrey Mack's ministry. Yeah. Audrey Mack, years ago, this lady had to have her thyroid removed, and you can still see the scar right down her neck like that. She said Audrey laid hands on her, and God gave her a brand new thyroid. Shoot, to this day, she doesn't take any medication. She has no wow. health effects. So yeah. if God, that's a miracle. If God will use a woman, it seems like I ought to well, at least tolerate it. If God is approved of it, yeah. so anyway, I hope that helps, Elizabeth. Thank you for being a subscriber and a part of what we're doing. We're running short on time. Let's go to Jermaine in California, and you are on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in program. Okay, hi. Um, Hello. I have a question. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, great. Um, I recently spoke to a relative who was raised by her grandmother and a very evil step-grandfather. Uh, she lived through that, has turned her life over to Christ and forgiven him. He's passed on. But she wonders if there is another type of forgiveness when the awareness of the horrible abuse she and her grandmother received comes to mind. She can't just say, ah, no biggie about that. You know, forgiveness is not human nature. Mm -hmm. That is not carnal people that forgive. Forgiveness is totally a God type of thing. And so to operate in forgiveness, it has to be a response to God. I just mm -hmm. watched the movie Unbroken about mm -hmm. Louis Zapparini, who was abused and tortured in the war and stuff. And he turned around and forgave every one of the people who tortured him and did these things. And I guarantee you, it just made it so clear that it is nothing but God. So mm. it's only God that can cause you to forgive. Yeah. I was just telling somebody the other day about my testimony. And we lived, I grew up in a pretty rough home. And, uh, you know, both parents alcoholics. And my dad left us and we had to throw newspapers just to keep lights on and put food on the table. And uh, as I got older, I began to hear these things that my dad had done. And I even saw him, you know, beat my mom and things like that. And I developed a bitter, bitter heart. I didn't, I didn't want to see him, didn't want to talk to him, didn't want anything to do with him. I hated him. When I met my wife, she's walking with the Lord, you know, and she wanted to meet my dad. I said, I'm not going to take you to meet him. And she's like, why? And I told her the story. She said, well, you need to forgive him. I said, I can't, I can't forgive him. <laughs> you said, you need to. God says you have to. I got on my knees and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I don't think I can. I don't know how. And I, and I said, I, I just give that to you, Jesus. And I remember that moment because he lifted that right off me. It was like a weight coming off my shoulder. I could physically feel it happen. I think sometimes, you know, you've got to have the power of God working oh, yeah. to forgive others. That's what I was saying. It's not human nature. This is only God. Only mm -hmm. if you were tapped into God can you forgive like that. Yep. We're running short of time, but thank you, Jermaine, for your call. And let's go to Jennifer in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And you are on the Truth and Liberty Live call-in program. Hi, so apparently I'm on with a dynamic duo, according to James. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> okay. Um, Richard, thank you for the, your testimony and for both of you always for being so honest. 
um, I saw The Sound of Freedom, and gosh, it's not a movie that you want to say you want to go see, or when someone says, how is it, you don't want to say good, because it's not good, but you, it's something everyone should see. And I'm just trying to wrap my head around why Rolling Stone and a couple of the mainstream media, um, they're saying it's conspiracy, it's uh, far left, it's QAnon people. How, how can they... How can anyone be against an anti-sex slave trafficking, uh, sex trafficking movie? I, I don't understand the, the depth of the, de- the deception over these people's eyes in order to be saying these things about the movie. Well, uh, yeah, Jennifer, thank you so much for your question. Um, I actually went to see the movie over the weekend myself, and I, I want to endorse it. I think it was fantastic. Uh, as you said, it's not good in the sense of the things they're depicting are not good, but the movie itself is well done, well made. It's a compelling story. It is, I mean, I got tears in my eyes more than once. It is really powerful. Um, uh, but the, uh, to answer your question directly, um, you know, the only reason I can think of why people would come out against that movie the way they are is because they're really afraid about where this thing is going to lead. Because what needs to happen is the, the veil needs to be pulled back and we as a nation and the Western world, we've got to get to the bottom of this and we've got to root this sin out. It is wickedness at the highest level and the deepest thing. And, and these innocent children being abducted and trapped in sex slavery is unspeakable. And I'm afraid that the reason they're opposing it is not because it's a lie or conspiracies, because they know where this could lead and they're trying to stop it. You know, there's an old saying that when you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that whelps or yelps is the one that got hit. So I, I think- Is that, that an old saying? Well, as far as I know, I came up with that. Oh, I've never heard anybody else say that. You never heard that? Oh, <laughs> no, in Oklahoma, we used to say it all the time. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. I thought I originated that. Oh, That's well. <laughs> Let me Maybe say, you did, man. Let I me say that, you know what, this is actually a result of, of layer after layer after layer of choices that people have made. They've started throwing off the morality of the Bible and they have rejected this and they don't want to believe that there is right and wrong because it would make their adultery, it would make their homosexuality, their transgenderism, their lying, their stealing. You know, it's exactly what Jesus said, that they don't come to the light and they hate the light because they are afraid that their deeds will be made manifest. So this is the reason that there is a demonic resistance against all morality. They may not have thought it through, but if they were to accept that this is right and this is wrong, then they would have to start going back to the morals that the Bible presents and it would wind up convicting them. So there is just this this uh, choice that they've been making for 20, 30, 40, 50 years of going against what the Bible says, making themselves God, saying, no, I choose to believe this and not this. And when you start coming back and saying that this is wrong and that this is evil, well, then it convicts them. Mm. And they refuse to do that because they would have to change. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be a part of that. And it's, I believe it's demonic. Again, I would be criticized if I was on a secular thing saying this, but that, that is demonic. You know, how many things have there been in the last 10 years, Andrew, that they called conspiracy theory and it's, and it's proven reality. to be true, you know? This is probably just one more of those. That's just my opinion. We'll see. But you know what, Jennifer, what you're saying, why do people, why would a person 
want to say that today I'm not a man, I'm a woman, or a woman saying today I'm a man, or why would anybody want to change their gender? Why would anybody want to love a person of the same sex? Mm. I'm not talking about loving in the sense that you honor and respect them and, and things like that, but sexually love, it's demonic. It is absolutely demonic. Yep. And people are under demonic deception. And once you embrace those standards, once you let go, it's like you're swinging through the jungle on the, you know, vines like Tarzan. Mm -hmm. And once you let go of this vine and you grab another one, it's Gosh. hard to go back. It's hard to go. Well, and you true. have committed yourself to this thing. And for them to uh, accept that this is right, well, if that, if you accept that that's right, well, then that's going to lead to, well, abortion must be wrong then. And transgenderism and homosexuality and their their whole little castle will fall apart like cards. Yep. They can't afford to do it. Yep. It's a biblical, it's a clash of worldviews is what it really is. You have an ungodly uh, standard that, you know, I'm God and it doesn't matter what God says, I can choose for myself and to come and say that this is right or this is wrong. It's conflicting with their worldview. And people don't realize it, but they are controlled and dominated by their overall worldview, not just individual thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the Bible says that the prince of the power of the air works in the children of disobedience. Absolutely. So, Jennifer, I share your frustration, but I really have seen that there are people, it's not just this one issue that's upset them. They rejected God and morality a long time ago. And so anytime somebody starts bringing them back to God and morality, they have to fight against it or they wind up being convicted. <laughs> they don't right. want to be convicted. That's right. Yep. So I think that's what it's at. So thanks for your call, Jennifer. We appreciate it. We're out of time today. We're down to the very end. But, you know, we do this every day at 3.30 Mountain Time. On this coming Wednesday, I'm hosting again, and I'm going to have my good friend, Pastor Marie-Hélène Moulin, who uh, pastors in Nice, France. I was just with her about a month ago at her church, and she's going to be talking about all of the riots that are happening in France and what is actually fueling this. And so we will actually have a French person giving an mm. on-site report. Uh, they've had some of these riots and burnings and things like that in Nice, France, where she is. And I think that's going to really be yes, good. Yes, yes. It'll really be useful. awesome. So I encourage you, we do this every day, 3.30 to 5 o'clock Mountain Time. We encourage you to join us. You can also go to our website. You can watch archive copies, can you? Yes. Yes. So all of our programs are archived. We do this every day, and I believe you'd be blessed to be a part. Also, become a subscriber where you get our emails or become a member where you join for a $5 or more uh, per month uh, automatic deduction, and that'll make you a Truth and Liberty member. God bless you. See you tomorrow. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.